0: This is Confessions of a Former Mean Girl with Serena Myers. I'm a master transformation mentor and shadow guide, and I work with heart-centered, high-achieving women who are on the journey to becoming the truest version of themselves, which is only possible by first accepting all that they are. This podcast explores the lessons I've learned from my bad decisions, so you can feel better about yours. It's normal to be a messy human, so let's talk about it. Welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Former Mean Girl. If we haven't met before, I'm Serena Myers, and I am one of those people who has made a lot of mistakes, learned a lot of things along the way, and I created this show to basically make you feel better about your bad life decisions, and so that we can recognize the humanity in each of us. Now, in my journey, of course, I find things sometimes that are at one point really inspiring, really uplifting... And then like, you know, a little bit later, a little bit more experience integrated, I end up finding out that like, eh, not so much. And that is kind of what we're talking about today. There is this phrase that I heard ages ago, and when I heard it, it felt so good. So let me tell you what it is. The statement, the phrase, the wording is, bloom where you are planted. And for a long time, I thought that that was a really incredible thing. I was thinking about my journey and how I've had to make the most of every situation i found myself in, how I created this really beautiful life that I'm living, starting out from like, not the best stuff, not the best place. And I didn't really acknowledge a lot of things. First of all, there's a lot of privilege in the idea of bloom where you're planted. But as I sat with this statement thinking about change, thinking about women and the things that we want to shift in our lives, that statement dropped in and I was like, oh my god, I don't find that inspiring anymore. And I wanted to talk about it. It's like a weird thing to decide to make an entire episode about, but hear me out. So this idea of bloom where you're planted is supposed to be really empowering so that we feel like these powerful creatresses so that we recognize that we are change makers, that we are agents in our own life, that we have agency, we have say-so, and that we can create whatever we want. However, if we are not careful, this idea of just making the best with whatever you've been handed can also land us in places of complacency. It can get us to a place where we just accept less than we desire, less than we deserve, because we're making the best of a situation. And, hold on, now this idea that you have the power to change your life, that is incredible. That is inspiring. Absolutely, 100%. But the reality is that we don't exist in a bubble. And when we make changes within our lives, it also has an impact on the other things and the other people that we surround ourselves with. Now, I want to tell you a little story. This is a confessions podcast, so let me take you back to my pre-married relationship days and i dated this guy named ryan now ryan and i had this really tumultuous on again off again thing and even when we were trying to be friends we did not have healthy dynamics we would make plans and then on the day of he would ghost me i couldn't get a hold of him and he would basically wait a couple of weeks till he figured i wasn't angry anymore and then he'd pop back in say hi and then the cycle would continue And it was this ongoing thing. And I remember one day, it was like the simplest thing. I had invited him and his, I think, fiancé at the time. They're married now. I had invited them to come to this play that I was directing. And it was the final night of the show. And he said he would be there and he didn't come. And there was something in that moment. And it wasn't big and it wasn't dramatic. And it was pretty early on in my spiritual journey. So I hadn't become some kind of Zen master or anything. But there was something about it that that was the last time that I was willing to accept that. And my heart closed. And at the end of the show, I went home and I unfriended him on Facebook. I deleted his number from my phone, all these things. And I didn't tell him I was doing this. I didn't pick a fight about it. It was just this calm knowing of, this is not okay with me anymore. This is not behavior I'm willing to accept anymore. This is not friendship. And three months went by. I think he knew that he had fucked up pretty bad that time. Because he didn't wait the two weeks to then put out the feelers. He waited three months. And in three months, I got a message that basically said, hey, I started therapy and you come up a lot in our conversations. And I realized what an asshole I have been in the entire duration of our friendship. And I'm really sorry. Like I recognize what I've done. I recognize the harm I've done and I'm really sorry. And in that moment, I was definitely not my highest self. And I think I basically said, well, what the fuck do you want me to do with that now? (laughs) But over... The years that have happened since that initial interaction, we've actually created this really beautiful friendship. Now, if I was going into just bloom where you're planted, that would mean like, let's make the best of a shitty situation. And instead, I had to actually end things. I had to create space so that healing could occur, so that we each could do the work on our own. And we have done considerably more than that since that moment. But we did the work on our own so that we could come back and create something new. He's the only ex-boyfriend who was at my wedding, for instance, because that's the degree of friendship that we were able to create on the other side of this space. And I see this oftentimes when we have unhealthy dynamics in our relationships, whether it's because there's like a power imbalance and we feel like we don't get to speak up, we don't get to honor ourselves. We're always deferring our power and giving our everything to somebody else. And there's this part of us that wants to like rise above it and make this change, but also like that's just not the way it's always been. And we're worried about how the other person's going to react. We have this with also like how much we give like in our careers or in our friendships, particularly in family dynamics. I know that there were a lot of expectations on me as the eldest daughter who was the one who coordinated everything, who was the one who Got everyone to chip in together on the bigger present and all of that kind of stuff to the point where when I moved to England and I wasn't even in the country anymore, I was still planning out like Mother's Day and those kinds of things from across the world because that was just what was expected of me. And so when we have this recognition of the way that we're living our lives is not actually resonating anymore, we also have to recognize that the shifts that we are going to make are going to be disruptive for the people around us. So why is that? Why do we get stuck in these unhealthy patterns or habits or even just like the expectations that we have within our relationships that are so deeply rooted that making shifts within that space is impossible? Now, this is something that isn't just happening as us humans relating to each other. It's also happening within our brains. In my past career as a neurofeedback technician, I basically had an entire career built on supporting people in rewiring the patterning that was happening in their brains because whenever they would do something repeatedly or whenever there would be a moment of immense crisis the brain would like ingrain these patterns they call them neural pathways they would form these ways of operating and moving and it was these imbalances and the work that I got to do was basically show the brain like hey like that crisis is over or hey I know this is the ingrained pathway that we have been doing things forever but we can actually do something different so this is why like when we're talking about setting new habits or setting resolutions or making these big lifestyle changes it isn't always an easy thing because we are actually hardwiring ourselves through repetition to be able to do things in that particular way and we are now having to recode rebuild those pathways into these new ways of being And when we're relating to other people, it's exactly the same thing. So we have our own pathways that we're needing to, you know, rework and create new realities with. But then also they're having their own pathways of the ways that they do things, the ways that they engage in the relationship. And it sometimes will create a little bit of friction. But the thing that's really beautiful is that sometimes when we can be in a place where we give ourselves some space, and this is obviously a lot easier when it's not, let's say, a marital situation. But when we have other relationships that we can create a little bit of space in, we then get to start with a blank canvas because we get to have this time away where we are doing growing and healing and deciding for ourselves what is okay and what isn't okay and what we're willing to do and what we need to feel really good, to feel like something is reciprocal. And they're able to do that work as well. And so then when we come back and we have this reconnecting of minds, reconnecting of hearts. We're not stuck in the this is the way that we've always done it because we didn't do anything for, you know, whatever, however long the break was in between you. This was a huge thing with me and my mother. At Summer of 2017, I just decided like a very small thing was like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I needed to take a step back from my family because I found that it wasn't a happy making situation. I didn't enjoy the time. I didn't feel valued and whatever. It's a whole thing it wasn't a fun time for me. And it wasn't until the start of the pandemic that I started to rebuild a relationship with my mom. And we were just kind of like checking on each other, making sure we were okay. And even now, like, we don't have a really close relationship. We don't talk all the time. But we will do like little check-ins here or there. Or if something happens, we will loop the other one in. And for that, we had like, you know, almost four years of total radio silence. And in that space, I was able to decide for myself? Like, first of all, do I want to let this person in? And if so, what do I need to do? What do I need to have in place? How do I have to show up for myself? And what boundaries do I need to place so that we can have a relationship that doesn't put me in the place that I was before? So that I'm not resenting every time my phone texts and it's her on the other end of it. So that I feel really good about the relationship. And do I wish I could have more depth, more vulnerability, absolutely, but I also have to recognize that I am who I am, she is who she is, and we have to show up as we are, and we can't expect each other to be anything else. But it was because we had space that we were able to create this new reality. Now, speaking of marriages, when you want to make these big changes, sometimes you're going to have a partner who also recognizes that things aren't working, recognizes that, you know, things were kind of just like trucking along and you got a little bit complacent and like they're both willing, both parties are willing to make the changes. And when that's the case, that is fantastic. And you just need to give each other the grace so that, you know, when one of you kind of reverts back to doing things the other way, the one who's still on track can kind of gently bring that person back in. Sometimes it requires a little bit of outside help. So you could work with a therapist or a coach who can help you to kind of navigate those tricky situations. My wife and I actually even had this last Christmas where we had a big thing that was coming up and I was a little nervous about how we were going to be able to unpack this without hurting each other. And so we said we'd get a therapist to be able to do that. Now, sometimes and most times I would actually say the work that we do, we are doing alone. And it's not that our partners are, you know, not wanting to. Sometimes they're just not here to do that type of work in this lifetime. Not all of us came in to be light workers or healers or these like people who are committed to the soul level growth. Some of us are and some of us aren't. And we can't be trying to drag our loved ones along with us because that's really being presumptuous about what their soul came here to do in this lifetime. A lot of the shifts that I saw in people that were close to me were really just by leading by example. Like they saw the changes that I was making in my life and they started to make some little tweaks to their own. I didn't have to drag them along with me. I didn't have to convince them that they needed to make these changes. The changes I was living were inspiring enough and then they were able to do that for themselves. Which means you can be the support for them. They can ask you questions. They can ask you for advice. But you're not forcing change upon anybody because you can't, right? We know this already. Like the changes that we want to make have to come from within. Which means that when we're doing this work of you know, dismantling these old stories, of shifting our power dynamics, of reclaiming our own power, of using our voice, of setting healthy boundaries, all of these things that come to these changes and shifts that will have a ripple effect in our relationships, we have to get ready to endure some discomfort. We need to have a dedication to ourself and a belief in the greater why of why we're making these changes in the first place. And we have to have that as like our anchor so that when it is stormy, when it is hard and when the waters get choppy, we have something to hold on to. Now, when you're in this place where you're doing the actual shift on your own and the other people around you are still kind of operating from the same place, I believe the most supportive way to do that is to do it within a community. Not just any community, a community of the right women who are doing their own work of dismantling these like systems of oppression that we operate under, of healing the patriarchal wounds that they're carrying, of reclaiming their voice and stepping into their power, owning themselves. And the reason I think that's important is a fewfold. Firstly, you get to see examples of this in action. If you didn't see this from the women who came before you, you need to have healthy examples of women who are learning to do this on their own, who are figuring it out not just as models, but also as a reminder so that when shit gets hard, you can be like, you know what, if she can do it, I can do it. And we can really have that as one of our anchors as well. But also the thing is that when you have a space that is really safe for you to show up in, you get to be witnessed exactly as you are. So your good days, your bad days, whatever it is, when you can show up in truth, no one is expecting you to be anything other than who and what you are and where you're at in this exact moment which also means that because you're showing up in your wholeness and you have these people witnessing you in all that you are when you do hit a bad place when it does feel kind of shitty you can have someone remind you of your greatness someone who has seen you on your best days and your lowest days and can say hey you remember when you survived this remember when you achieved that damn you're amazing and we need sometimes that outside validation to just remind us on the days that we forget for ourselves. Now, I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes thinking lately about community and about the importance of it. And I've always been someone who isn't much of a joiner. I really like to create what I need. And I've noticed that this idea, this craving for community is something that I'm holding as well. Now, the thing that I am building is still percolating. It is still taking form because it's really big. And it is going to be just the most beautiful and supportive container that I have ever built, to be honest. So if you are someone who's looking to make some change, particularly if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of people in your day-to-day life who get to see your evolution on this soul level shifting and you are looking for a community of women who have been there, done that, and are happy to like shake their pom-poms at you, I'm going to put a link in the show notes that is to the wait list for This particular little sisterhood that I am developing. And I can tell you that you are going to want to get in early. It is unlike anything I have ever seen. So that's my little teaser for you. We're just going to leave it at that for now. I'm going to see you again next month, where we are going to have another conversation about this rawness, this realness, the messiness of being human. And The reason I'm really liking this idea of community is that it gets to be a back and forth conversation. It's not just me and my microphone, like speaking out to the masses. So if you heard this and this resonated with you, also hop over to my Instagram and send me a DM and let me know. Like, does bloom where you're planted resonate for you? Or are you ready to disrupt some shit, make some changes and change the fucking world? (laughs) Totally spaced there, but that's what we're going to do, my friend. So. I hope this message finds you well, as always, and I am sending you an abundance of love. Take care. That's it for this episode. Thanks for spending this time with me. Make sure to stay in touch between episodes by following me on Instagram. I'm at Serena Myers. If this episode inspired you or you want to support the show, please give it a share to your favorite peeps and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. I'll see you next time.